next scary movie. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I'm joined once again by my twin brother, Eric. We are coming at you guys with another immediate reaction slash review to a horror movie we just saw together, and that's going to be 2019's Brightburn. This is also a special episode because for the second time on the podcast, we are in the same room together recording it, and uh, excited to do that, Eric. How are you feeling? Um, less than excited, probably. Uh, you will get to that very quickly. Let's just throw throw a big spoiler warning out here i don't know if we're gonna spoil it but i also we're gonna spoil it in the sense that we don't necessarily recommend it so well yeah so i think we can maybe start off with general thoughts spoiler free and then jump into the whole movie um i think the spoiler free section like always will be a bit shorter we'll just kind of do very very broad scale uh review and kind of recommendation and then we'll let you know when we're jumping into the spoilers if you still want to see this guy yes so let's, let's just get the generals out of the way. This is from a, a director that me and Alex were not very familiar with, David Yarvesky. Uh, looking up his IMDb page didn't help much. He was an actor in Guardians of the Galaxy, which I haven't seen. I think Alex has mm-hmm. seen. I don't like it because I didn't like Peter Quill's character in the one Avengers movie I did see. <laughs> Guardians was, was a good movie, but he was also like a throwaway character. I think his character name was Goth Ravager or something. So he's a very minor character and he only has some kind of editing and small directorial credits to his name. So nothing really flashy with uh, David Yarevsky. But if 2018, 2019, has, you can learn from anything from that. It's don't be afraid of directors making their debuts. They're very capable of doing a good job. Um, they are capable, but I guess they are capable of flopping. Too. That's very true. Um, so. I'm actually going to pull up. So Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn were the writers on this, and I definitely recognize that name. So I just want to kind of look at his... Um. Mm, okay, maybe not. But he's got more. So, well, okay, no, actually, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm thinking of. I'm probably just thinking of James Gunn. So, okay, sorry, that was a sidetrack. Um, this is starring though Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks as our leading lady, and uh, also David Denman, who you would uh recognize from the if you're a fan of The Office as Roy. So I'm gonna have a hard time not calling this character Roy. Probably his actual name was Kyle, but. Some of, some of our more sophisticated guests may recognize him as one of the main characters in Big Fish. Yeah, the kind of the jock that uh, young, I forget the guy's name, whatever, anywho. Okay, so yeah, Elizabeth Banks and David Denman essentially play a married couple who they, they essentially have a Superman origin story with a child being delivered from some sort of uh, spaceship into their you know farmhouse so literally Clark Kent in Kansas it even takes place in Kansas it's pretty much an anti-Superman story though because as the story progresses we see that this child is not so good-natured and a bit more sinister and it's kind of like a 13th year thing where it takes about 12 years to kick in and then all of a sudden it just is a present yes but unlike the 13th year once the action got going uh in my opinion we weren't well here's what here's a big thing with this movie so I I think they cast the kid pretty well uh, which you kind of need to do for this kind of movie. Super anti-social. He plays the kind of kid who uh, who just, you can kind of tell something's off just like as a general basis, and some people can just chalk that up to normal anti-social kids, but then you've got the, the backstory where he's kind of uh, not of this world, so it gives it a little bit of credence there. And it's no fault to his own, but I felt like they had a hard time capitalizing on the premise they were building very I, much so 
I tend to agree. So kind of like I was saying earlier, this isn't a movie or this isn't an, a story where this character is evil from the get-go. He's like a pretty normal kid until he turns 12, pretty smart, pretty intelligent. And then all of a sudden he, he kind of gets possessed almost in the night by the force of the spaceship or some sort of whatever the kind of alien embodiment is. And he becomes this evil figure. And this isn't a huge spoiler because this happens very early. And this is kind of what drives the, the future plot is then he becomes essentially more and more almost sociopathic. He, he kind of lacks empathy. He kind of has just really, uh, you know, dark reactions to things. So uh, it, I don't know. I think I would have preferred maybe if he was he was showing these trends his entire life and his family was still kind of... Because the, the big thing is, like, right away you see that these this married couple has been looking for a baby for a long time. They're, they've been reading... Uh, uh, like fertility books and their the opening scene is them uh trying to get it on in hopes of getting a new baby so like i think you could really play with the loving and, and support of this miracle child even though the child has some problems which we didn't see we saw it kind of towards the end with protection and ideas but uh i think i would have preferred maybe if you had that more complex relationship throughout the life i don't know if that would have made a difference for you eric um I don't know if it would have, but I think I'm going to actually disagree slightly with you. I don't necessarily think that moment where he got possessed, I don't think that's what like made him evil, but it's what gave him power, and he was able to harness that power. Oh. I, I think, because I think deep down, he probably had that kind of personality the whole time. It's just that he had no way to act on it because he was just a wimpy 12-year-old kid. Um, but I think once he actually got that power, y- you could clearly see his sociopathic uh, tendencies come out where he's got no empathy, so then he's got this power, and he's going to use it for whatever he wants to do. I think I, I think you can make the argument that he technically always could have been like that. It's just that he was such a wimpy 12-year-old that he never had a chance to sh- truly show it. Yeah, I, I can respect that opinion. I think, though, just with how much the parents commented on like this drastic shift in behavior, this drastic change, I think it, it's a much more pronounced change then so i would be surprised if he would have had this change without the power but anywho um yeah so like this it really is a a movie that it's kind of like if you have a kind of weird fantasy of seeing what an evil superman from a young age could do this is kind of a movie for you this is essentially what it boils down to literally from the alien flying into a cornfield in kansas um pretty much uh, uh the anti-superman with uh, nefarious tendencies and i think like we've kind of been saying it it didn't i don't know it, it i think it had really good moments really strong moments that were pretty captivating but i think overall it didn't deliver as good as i was hoping it would so i think the way i would categorize it is if say like this was like a bright burn was a netflix eight seasons show or eight, eight episode season and they just dropped it I think this movie as an episode one to two would be good. And then you'd be like, okay, this show's going to be pretty cool. Okay. But the fact that it's a standalone movie and where we get left off with in the plot, it just feels like you've got so much unsatisfaction based on what they could have done and like all of the cool things that we could have seen, which they kind of tease in the credits. Uh, it's it's truly just an origin story, and you don't get much of the payoff, and mm-hmm. that's where I feel like it definitely did a disservice to the story and the premise it had. Okay, okay. and uh, maybe we should have taken this into con- uh, not in consideration, but this could have tempered our expectations. But as we arrived five minutes before showtime, there was only one other person in the theater. Uh, Eric wasn't even aware of the person and did a Snapchat with talking, <laughs> and then I let him know there was a guy behind us, and he embarrassingly deleted it. But uh, I think maybe five four or 
or five more people walked in, so it was a very empty theater, which, you know, Sunday matinee, but still. Uh, so yeah, this is sitting currently at a 6.5 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. I think it's a little lower on Rotten Tomatoes. We don't have that pulled up right at the moment. Uh, Eric, are you ready just to kind of give a, a rating and a recommendation based off uh, based off the kind of what we've said so far? Sure. Um, recommendation is don't see it in theaters. Um, probably don't see it at home <laughs> unless like you've got just an hour and a half where you've got to like kill, like truly kill. And you can't just like rewatch some some of your favorite Netflix shows. I think if I'm rating it, I'm probably giving it just under a five, maybe like a four point. Well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a five because I think actually Elizabeth Banks did a good job. Yeah, I thought she was great. I it, really liked the Elizabeth thing is, Banks. I thought most of the actors and actresses did a pretty good job. It's just that they didn't. I, I feel like the problem was with the writing, and they just didn't. Unless they're planning on just doing like a Brightburn two right away, where they just like absolutely go ham. And I just feel like, nah. So I'll give this one a 5.2 based pretty much just on the actors and actresses doing a good job, but the story itself really dragging it down for me. Yeah, so I'm going to be not so far off. I'm going to say like 6.0, so I'm a little bit under the IMDb. Uh, I, I, I would, so for me, like a 6 is like a slight recommendation. I'd say like if you're really searching for movies, you could throw this one on, but I think there's a lot of stuff I would recommend ahead of it. I would definitely say, yeah, skip this one in theaters. It wasn't the worst theater experience we've ever had, but I've certainly had better. Uh, definitely a little bit disappointed because I was really excited about the premise. And this is another one of those movies that we had uh, highlighted on our 2019 preview. And I remember when we were doing the preview, we were pretty excited about it because it was a cool idea. You know, you don't really see too many origin stories in, in full feature movies of like these either villains or just like really nefarious like superhero type so i thought the concept was really great but unfortunately the delivery just wasn't quite there yeah i think that's a good way to put it and now i guess we'll get into any more spoilery type stuff yeah so spoiler warning we're going to kind of talk about a little more specific from the movie either specific scenes or just kind of more specific thoughts that it would if you're still interested, like, you know, we haven't gonna gri- given a glowing recommendation, but if you're still interested, I would recommend stopping here because we're going to really ruin the rest of the plot. So, Yeah, so spoilers. Um, so this is a movie that I actually did catch a trailer for, and I remember seeing the cover art beforehand. The cover art is super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looks like what you'd expect as a play on Superman gone bad, um, especially it being a kid with, like, the chopped up cape and the homemade mask uh the homemade mask reminds me of a character and i've been trying to place what it is it's got like a almost like a snout that he's stitched on the front of it but it's like basically this like a red it looks like a quasi spider-man mask almost i kind of wish they would have they didn't end up show, i kind of wish they would have shown like some of the development process of it like maybe he has a, a crappy one first and he gets his like really the, the mask is really creepy like i think it's a really good mask but like he just all of a sudden has it yeah do like, the like maybe the toby Maguire spider-man yeah something or it doesn't have to be like a huge thing but just like i mean all of a sudden he just has it out of nowhere and it was kind of strange that it's like oh yeah i have this super weird uh tied elephant trunk in front of my nose now yeah it's almost like the writing in this movie wasn't very good <laughs> those gun brother uh, gun brothers well, the uh, lesser known cousins of james gunn um one small thing i'd like to point out i think uh there were a couple comedic points that i think the comedy like it wasn't super like all on all the time but the comedy actually was on point especially uh i'm gonna point out matt jones is uh death sequence who played noah the uncle uh you'll you might know him as uh beaver no 
Badger. Badger, yeah. <laughs> Not Badger. Um, Badger from Breaking Bad. Badger from Breaking Bad. Uh, he actually had, like, a really kind of almost meta slash funny response to, like, meeting uh, meeting Brightburn, meeting our villain, meeting uh, Brandon Breyer in his mask form. He was essentially reacting how, like, us as audience members, like, are reacting, like, the things he's saying. And he's just like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> or, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, he's just doing these really funny things, like, and then uh, had a pretty gruesome uh, death sequence, too. The... I liked, I really liked the, uh, I'd say makeup and kind of really gross imagery with some of the kills. That was the, the, the eyeball. That was, I was like cringing. Yeah. There was some very visceral, uh, scenes to watch, especially, yeah, there was one where, uh, it was kind of the first intense moment of the whole movie. Um, our main character had broken into a diner in which a woman who, uh, kind of was aware of his at least potentially damaging qualities and he kind of wanted to shut her up so he shattered some lights and those uh that glass pellet got stuck in her eyeball and she had to pull it out and you could just see when well, they kind of went like terminator vision on her where like it was all bloody from one eye so she had to cover her eye to kind of actually see what was going on and then um uh, Badger's kill. Very cool. Painted as like a drunk driving accident, yeah. but it was actually the uh, homeboy flipping his car up and then he got his mouth. Uh, oh, yeah. It was just pulled a, off like the, the, I feel like his jaw, the hinges there was completely separated because it was like sagging like a. I don't even know what that would be, but it just like completely like, you know, six inches extra down than it should be. So it was pretty, pretty graphic. And as we actually talk about Badger, this reminds me, it's a kind of a reunion for him and uh, David Denman, both office characters, as Badger played one of <laughs> Dwight Schrute's cousins. Yeah. Uh, applied, probably applied. starting season six. Yeah, he applied for a sales job. Played for a sales job, and he was also there when uh, Dwight's aunt Shirley passed away. Okay. That's farm, the farm spinoff episode. Yes. See more office talk. Um, I, yeah. So I, we said earlier, I really I thought Elizabeth Banks did a really nice job in as the leading lady. Cause I haven't. I, I think I mentioned in the 2019 preview. I haven't really seen her in that many serious movies. It's usually comedy. Um, I thought she did really, really well. Um, really portrayed like the, I don't know, the kind of conflicted mother and the or the but also like the defensive mother of her her child. And I thought she did great. And I thought her and uh, David Denman had like pretty believable farm chemistry like they felt like a kind of good couple and so i thought both of them did a good job yeah i agree with that uh elizabeth banks definitely stole the show for me her her arc was very believable and the fact that she was still kind of vouching for her son um until pretty deep into the movie i thought the way they set that up and the way they allowed that to play out it made sense it didn't feel too forced i mean at points it did but you had the the uh relationship dynamics of the father completely being all in saying okay we got to take care of this and the mother's like no he's our baby he's yeah. our baby mm-hmm. uh, and so that's always if it's done well those are kind of fun because it's the uh we always talk about family relationships, especially when it comes to the horror genre. So uh, that was one positive. I guess that we're trying to be. I'm trying to be more positive now since I started off so <laughs> so hot. There were, there were things we liked about it, though. That's what we said. There were things that we liked about it because we still said uh, you're you were just over five and I was around six. So that's still like you know 
better than average, which I think this movie is slightly better than average in terms because if you think about all the bad horror movies that are, you know, it really drags it down. But uh, and if you heard me snickering in the background there, I was just looking. IMDb has a character who is like a must have just been one of the students at school, but his name is listed just as Fohawk. So <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, one one problem. One thing that always annoys me is when I do catch a trailer and I see something that looks cool in the trailer and it's not in the movie, that pisses me off. And there was something? Yes. So this movie, honestly, if you do see it in theaters, I do recommend staying for the credits. There's like maybe two minutes of stuff that is actually pretty cool to see. Just I think at the, we didn't say the whole credits, just at the beginning of the credits. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yes. And uh, one of the scenes that was shown in the credits was shown in a trailer. It was him flying overhead some of the buildings after he'd uh, mm. wreaked some havoc. Maybe we didn't stay long enough. I don't know. No, so that I saw in the trailer. Oh, okay. But not, uh, and it ended up being in the credits. So ah, I, I understand. Because okay. that's the kind of thing that I think could have been cool. Like, honestly, I've been waiting so long for a movie to just say F it and have absolutely no redemption for anybody and let a villain just wreak havoc. And then the movie just ends. <laughs> we, we got close here. Like, it, it, it could have ended. I mean, it gave us, well, it kind of was that way a little bit. Just let it happen. Yeah, so I mean, this movie obviously ends with uh, with Brandon Byers uh, successfully having murdered both his parents. He then also takes out a jumbo jet to zero survivors, and the news is reporting it as, as him being this kind of miraculous survivor, as his house was directly in in line with the jumbo jet getting taken down. Uh, but then the the credits kind of just people are becoming aware of this this menace because you can see him clearly wreaking havoc destroying an office building burning his sign into crop fields and all this uh all this thing so definitely it's a very negative ending it's the the bad person quote unquote is is for sure winning i mean he killed his parents and he essentially has one weakness like you know superman has his kryptonite this guy has his spaceship is the only thing that can really harm him like uh he Earlier in the movie, he had like fallen and it was declared that that was the first time he'd ever been cut was by hitting himself on a jagged edge of the spaceship. So uh, I think future for humanity is looking pretty negative unless they can find the spaceship and be like, oh, we can cut him. (laughs) So one thing that I kind of liked was that uh, our main character, Brandon, developed his own graffiti tag (laughs) for his crime scene. Oh, and he was super into it. It was it's basically like two diamonds that shape into being a BB for Brandon Breyer. I think it's a pretty good logo. Like, I think that could make a really cool poster on its own if they do it right. Do it well, you know? Yeah, I low key want to start marking people out in emails and just like doing my signature (laughs) is that little BB, but change it to like EE. Yeah. Yeah, another, I think, uh, so this is kind of early, uh, another thing I liked was, this is kind of the first development of his evil tendencies, is like they're doing this game in gym, and he kind of had shown to be getting a little bit of bullied, so he's used to kind of getting bullied, and now he's becoming more strong, and this girl he kind of had a crush on, uh, he, well, he had gone full full psycho and gone into her room and was like looking at her while she was sleep or sleeping and waking up or with romantic music so then like later in gym class they were doing this game and she like doesn't want to touch him and he ends up falling over because of it and then she helps him up because the gym teacher insists but then he gets angry at her because like she's uncomfortable and just absolutely just destroys her hand like she just starts clenching and just you can hear the cracks and crunches and it's like just mangles her hand which i thought was a pretty uh you don't see that like a like a you know destruction of a ten year old twelve year old girl's hand. That's uh, was pretty. I don't know. That was pretty dark and pretty out there to get the kind of ball rolling. Yeah, you could say she went from crushed to crushed. 
<laughs> you could say that. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I, we weren't, weren't taking notes or anything because we were just watching the theater. I don't know if there's a ton more I really have to say. Uh, I, yeah, like, I mean, like we've been saying, like a pretty... Uh, it was a movie that had a lot of potential that I we just feel like it didn't live up to. Didn't deliver it. Yeah, it didn't deliver. The payoff, the payoff much. left a lot to be desired. Like when it ended, like I, I found myself looking at my watch halfway through it. I'm like, okay, I don't like to do that when I'm in the theater, but whatever. And then by the time it ended, I'm like, ah, oh, all right, <laughs> I guess this is over now. I didn't didn't feel that sense of completion just because I felt like there was a lot more they could have done, should have done, hoped they were going to do, thought they were going to do based on what I'd seen in the trailer. Um, but yeah, if you, if you like setup, um, then maybe this movie's for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One thing also too, if you're a big Superman fan and you were ever wondering what like Superman's heat vision would actually do to a person. Cause like in, mm-hmm. in, in like the cartoons or the comics he uses on someone, it just kind of like knocks him aside, which isn't super logical, but yeah, you see, uh, you see, uh, you see Brightburn, you see, um, Brandon Breyer here completely melt through his dad's, uh, entire head with his heat vision. And it took a surprising amount of time. He was, uh, he was screaming, screaming for, for a, a good three of... seconds yeah. and it just, popped a hole in his brain he was maybe holding back a little bit you know maybe he wasn't going full force uh, cyclops on it but look at me when i kill you (laughs) yeah so eric right before we started this podcast was looking at like current movies in theaters and so there was a couple things like oh this may have been nicer this may have been nicer um so So yeah one thing we we definitely i i probably won't see but i kind of still do want to see in theater is uh ma which I think we have talked about on one of our last podcasts. It looks like a super silly movie, but it looks like a super fun movie. This is the kind of movie that you know you're, you know what you're paying for when you go for it. So uh, that one just looks like a lot of fun. For those who are unaware, basically these college kids find this woman who buys them beer, and then she eventually invites them over to her place, and that becomes the new chill place to hang out. Uh, but then this woman slowly devolves into a little bit of a crazy person. And the kids have got to deal with the realization that their lives are now intertwined with somebody who is quite a bit more nutso than they are. Yeah, it looks like a more sinister Black Snake moan. I think, you know, this is a more sinister Superman. <laughs> more sinister. We're just using the more sinister tag for all these movies. Yes. Another couple other good ones that could have been fun. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That looks Fire. And as we've said, Eric loves shark movies. That's kind of right in the vein of shark slash monster movies. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I, I think those are the kind of movies I typically like, kind of the massive action slash monster. Like, they're not usually not amazing movies, but they're often really fun. So that would probably have been nice to see in theaters. Then John Wick, Chapter 3. Carry on Johnson, star running back for the Detroit Lions, said he saw it no short of three times in wow, theater. I missed that. And then uh, Detective Pikachu would have been interesting. I've uh, not actually heard that much about it since it's come out, but it looks very goofy. I feel like it'd be fun. You know, Ryan Reynolds doing his thing. Uh, we are completely sidetracking away from <laughs> our intended podcast here. But I think we, we've kind of gotten most of out what we've said, uh, what we wanted to say for uh, for Brightburn. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, if I remember correctly, when I, we did our preview podcast, this was definitely at the top of our list for ones we were excited about. It. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, for sure, us, uh, Brightburn were two notable ones that we were definitely, uh, Midsummer for sure is probably one. I, I think I was more excited for Midsummer than for Brightburn. But it chapter two as well. Chapter two. Um, 47 meters down the sequel, Uncaged. <laughs> yeah, so we still have quite a bit of stuff that's coming out and a lot of stuff that we, you know, didn't have on our radar. We definitely didn't talk about Ma on our 2019 preview uh we didn't talk about 
uh, a lot of stuff I'm sure that's going to be coming out here. So uh, a lot of ground still to cover coming up in 2019. And uh, now that I'm officially living back in the States, back in the same city as Eric, we are going to be able to see more movies together, maybe do more of these immediate reactions, but for sure do more regular podcasts, which is going to be great because we have a good time with it. Uh, For everybody listening, I hope you have a good time listening or else I would imagine you just wouldn't listen because you don't have to. Um, Yeah. So Eric, any wrapping up thoughts here? No, I don't think so. Um, even if you don't like listening, it gives us better numbers, and that inflates our egos. Oh, yeah. So maybe do that if, for the only reason to uh, make a couple guys days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we, like, yeah, like, like I said earlier, we do this completely for fun because we don't have a huge audience ship. But, I mean, that's fine because we, we mostly just have fun with it. And, you know, what? this is going to be a pretty short episode at just 25 minutes. And we had started talking about the movie anyways after the movie. So this is kind of like a, you know, a more thorough way to get our thoughts out so hopefully uh, it was educational informative and uh, interesting so uh, until next time this has been jumping scared thanks for tuning in to the jumping scared podcast have any questions comments just want to share your horror movie opinions with us feel free to reach us at jumping scared podcast on twitter or by email jumping scared at gmail.com see you next episode